0: Hey Hey, Scarlett.
1: Welcome back guys you're listening to Style Over Substance.
0: We're just two friends talking about our experiences working inside the fashion industry and also our observations from outside the fashion industry. It's sometimes serious but it's definitely always a good laugh. Always.
1: We release new episodes every
0: Tuesday. So subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platforms. Oh yes, yes, yeah, she did. From what I saw, it was it was kind of touted as a um Las Vegas wedding, very quick, very impromptu, but we know that she's not quick or impromptu or uh, rock and roll about anything um
1: so I actually she's got something called like the JLo down or something like the JLo like she's got a website and I've subscribed to it because what was I think it was after her engagement the only place she properly shared details about it was on her website and I was like I want the deets I want to know and so I signed up for it so I got to see like her description of stuff because then the daily mail basically like steals all of that information and shares it Mm. but she was saying or implying i should say that that's the wedding they originally wanted all those years ago
0: um
1: so yeah um but like her her kids were there his kids were there
0: um, can you move your phone away? I've moved mine, but... Yeah, i will moved my phone. And coming back, so... Hang on. Just, it's on charge, that's why. Right. Oh, I see. I'll just move it a bit further. There we go.
1: Um, but yeah, her kids were there, his kids were there. Mm-hmm.
0: Um...
1: And I don't know, like, she wore a dress supposedly from a film that she's been in.
0: Okay.
1: Um, But I don't know, I just, I just like find it kind of funny that we had touted it as as it was going to be this big event and it was going to be crazy. And actually, I know this sounds really silly, but it just makes me believe it a bit more that it's not just been this big song and dance and they just kind of have
0: quietly gotten married. I think when it's not your first wedding, you approach... Sure. I mean, look at Kimberly Kardashian. Her wedding to Kanye was radically different than it was to that other bloke. I can't remember his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I heard it was like a Las Vegas wedding, okay. very very intimate, it made me think of Kourtney Kardashian's wedding. Yeah. Are we in the age of um, seemingly impromptu, casual celebrity weddings? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I actually think there's something really nice about that. I've once heard of um, these people that I followed on in- on Instagram, um, and they were YouTubers as well. They, I think it was maybe their thirtieth birthday, Ooh. and they were throwing a joint thirtieth birthday party got all their friends and family to come and they surprised them by getting married that it was their wedding. So they were already engaged, but they surprised everybody that it was their wedding. And I just kind of think there's something actually really nice about taking a bit of like the heat off of a day and it being a bit impromptu.
0: 100%, yeah. I think we've spoken about, we've had episodes about weddings before and yeah, I... If I was to get married, I would not want uh, a year-long run-up to this massive preparation mm. of this massive event that's been overhyped with stress and like bridezilla vibes. I-, I would hate it. I really do like the idea of just like getting getting the wedding day over and done with because really, in is it's not about the wedding day; it's about the marriage, isn't it? Mm. Um, So, yeah, I I really do like that idea. I'm just surprised that it's J-Lo. For her to wear a dress that she says that she's worn in a film before or other work she's done in the past or something like that. Basically, it's it's a second-hand dress. It's a used dress, let's say. For her, of all people, she loves glamour. She, you know, she's not a subtle personality um, and a lot of the talk around their relationship is how um, crafted it is in the media so for her to do something as private as this just shocks me that it's coming from her really mm. yeah
1: I don't know I just think it's I think it's really nice I think it's really refreshing mm. um, yeah i was really shocked though i was i was really shocked because also like we've talked about they have been touted as promoting their relationship having a lot of paparazzi follow them around maybe not by accident so the idea that this wasn't leaked to anyone that it all happened in private and we find out on their terms it's quite new for them
0: is it because everything is on their terms
1: well yeah i guess but you know we see them strolling around in like whenever we want basically um, yeah. Yeah. yeah i guess that is all on their terms essentially isn't it um but yeah i mean how many times has julia been married now
0: uh i only think one
1: oh, cool. she, i know she'd been engaged yeah. A lot, but I don't I think, think she's so. actually been married many times.
0: I would say she's probably been engaged, like, twice or three times before, but only married once. Am she's, I wrong about that? No, she's
1: engaged to a backing dancer.
0: Yeah. Ben I've Affleck, seen... First Mark time. Anthony, She got married Mark to. Mark
1: Anthony, A-Rod.
0: <gasps> oh, yes. Was she engaged to P. Diddy? No, I think I don't so. think so. So, four engagements... Made it down the aisle twice. Oh, really? We could, say, we could say Ben Affleck twice.
1: Yeah, it, well, it is twice. It's five yeah. engagements.
0: Well, not bad odds. I'm, I'm I mean, with those <laughs> odds. I mean, getting engaged to five times is no mean feat. Really. <laughs> Do
1: you know how draining that sounds? Like, I know that's like, oh, isn't that lovely that someone wants to marry you? how draining that sounds that three of those did not go through
0: yeah yeah i don't know does it end up being less um less of a big deal the more times you get engaged because yeah i
1: am i'm definitely somebody that would prefer that my future mr big has not been engaged before i think the input the idea of them having proposed to somebody it would feel a bit less meaningful if they i was yeah. their second
0: yeah i think you've still got a chance to being someone
1: else. <laughs> i hope so yeah. I'm, not, I'm not that old yet hopefully um
0: i hear you though.
1: No. but I, yeah i and like that's not necessarily fair that can, that can happen for anyone and things don't work out but yeah, I think I would think it was less special. Mm. I don't
0: know. Which is completely irrational, but... Of course it is, yeah. doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> What's your fashion story? <laughs> <laughs> So my real fashion story is that Zara
0: have a new muse. Oh, I've just seen this.
1: Miss Kate Moss. Yes. And I think this is huge. I haven't seen this anywhere. Granted, I don't watch telly or anything like that
0: really. I haven't seen it on Instagram anywhere. Zara doesn't like they don't i don't think they spend a lot of money in advertising you know no but like this is such
1: a big deal i guess they just know that people regularly visit their website um but we were also in zara only the other day there was no hint at it they don't even really do window displays they just zara just (laughs) they're like you're gonna come here anyway um (laughs) but yeah i just think for those of you who might be a bit younger as a listener it was a big deal back in the sort of 2010s Kate Moss was had a collection with Topshop and it was huge
0: it was such a big deal You're on par with Naomi like and was, on with Linda but those and...
1: collections were such a big deal for Topshop they drove so much traffic like they were slightly more premium they sold out it was such a big deal so for her to now have, have like a thing with Zara I feel like is I feel like it's a quite a big deal
0: no. I mean Kate Moss is undeniably one of the biggest, most famous, most successful models in, you know in decades. Like she's a massive name. Um, so I don't think it's not big because of her, but I think that Zara um, they actually, I think they put a lot of money into their editorial shoots for their sites and things. Mm. They don't advertise a lot, but just when you go on their yeah, website, like oven pictures,
1: when <laughs> a model will just be standing on top of the hob. No, but like when oh, I try to fit in a microwave,
0: <laughs> there's been some real mishaps with that website. But um, when they do those kind of uh, beginning of the season new collection spreads, they. Um, they are very like design led kind of um, creativity led and they've had some really big photographers do their campaigns Um, and they've got um, some pretty big modeling names. I say names, I mean like faces, models that I recognize from lots of other campaigns and runways and things like that. Um, And they've been featured on their website um, to be part of a new collection. So I'm not surprised by Zara. You know, Zara is probably the single biggest, minus like Shein, I think they're like the single biggest fast fashion company. They're incredibly wealthy.
1: High, high Street, for sure.
0: Yeah, High Street, definitely. Um, incredibly wealthy, have so much pulling power. Um, as I said, they've had some really big names Photographers shoot their campaigns So yeah, I'm
1: not I'm not
0: massively surprised If I'm honest
1: I'm not surprised, I just feel like it's a really I think with the Topshop history It just feels like a really big deal And also, I think it just reminds us How big Kate Moss is mm. She sort of isn't that active anymore She kind of tips in and out of things Every now and then she'll show up She had a little resurgence Because she had a cameo in the In the depth Heard case Mm -hmm. Um, but just that she's still got that gravitas and it's and it's an expensive collection i don't know i'm i'm guessing she's sort of helped collect like edit that collection and it's pre it's like a premium price point like things are around 100 pounds all of that kind of a thing but i'm just like she's
0: still got it i think that's what the biggest thing is for me wow kate moss is back yeah like she's working again like she's doing big projects I mean she was probably always working but she's doing like big projects she's putting her face out there which we haven't seen a lot of her um not that she needs to she can literally retire on a private island for the rest of her life and like not have to be done with any of it can be done with all of us Mm. um but yeah I think that's the surprising thing that she's back to working and she looks great in the campaign as well she Looks
1: really good yeah.
0: yeah I had to think to myself how much editing did they do on her not to say she's not a beautiful woman but I was just like yeah like, just, yeah. Look like this
1: mm. yeah and also like I guess she's also someone who partied hard so she's gonna have weathered you know she was a smoker that definitely ages you she was yeah. out partying a lot. So that does, you know, you don't, that doesn't come for free.
0: Yeah. She was the face of this heroin chic and not heroin as in like the female version of a hero that, like, <laughs> the class A drug. <laughs> um, so, yeah, lived a full life, let's say. Yeah. Um, what is your fashion story? Well, my fashion story is a fashion story that involves you as well. Um, over the weekend, we went to the Saatchi Gallery because they held an exhibition with Tiffany & Co, the jewellery company. And for any listeners, if you've not been to the Saatchi Gallery, um, it's completely free to attend their exhibitions and their main collection. And especially for a free exhibition i have to say this was up there in terms of presentations what they had on offer to show um so they had kind of bits of you know obviously jewelry diamonds precious stones and precious metals um as part of their archive collection was on display, but also some pieces that were part of private collections. Mm. They had displays which were miniature versions of window displays that they've had over the years. There were posters of Tiffany campaigns in the past. Um, there was an interactive room where you could, like, draw a love message and your message would kind of float up um, up into the walls um what else was there there was a whole room dedicated to breakfast at tiffany's film mm-hmm. was good. i was really pleasantly surprised
1: yeah and that love room as well was like showing off the tiffany cut rings that they're famous for because we had been sort of walking around the exhibition sort of saying like what's what's the fuss about getting your ring from tiffany and ultimately it is that cut that they made famous of having the diamond sit quite high. I've found my ring. Um, (laughs) Little did we know it'd be heart shaped. (laughs) I think I've even been on here knocking heart shaped rings, Um, but that was beautiful. Um, And also like, so this exhibition knew what it was doing it had the history, it had all of this stuff, it had design, it had it had then the romantic moments that you could take your boo and be like, babe, this is what I like. Yeah. And then there was literally a place that you could have a Tiffany consultation.
0: Yeah, right at the end, you could book, try on some so of So I their- don't
1: know if that was
0: literally just a try on let's be honest like what are you trying on for exactly you're gonna go there's lots of people most people go on to try on because they want to try on a fancy ring and Mm -hmm. they know that's cool Uh, and they're happy to kind of entertain people with that but if you think about the people who live in the area around the Saatchi gallery, who was likely to come and see this exhibition, there's a lot of people who would come to this and have the money to buy Tiffany jewelry. Mm. You know, it's not not a poor neighborhood of London. And at the end of the day, Tiffany, well, not just Tiffany and co, but luxury brands are aspirational. They thrive and depend on people like us who can't afford to buy it now but will aspire to buy it later. Yeah, and so the consultation room is like it's an investment for the future. Let's try and pull some people in who have probably never been into our stores. So we just
1: the, had a great exhibition and sold them the Tiffany
0: Dream exactly. Um, and so they're playing the long game. And I think it, I'm pretty sure there was wasn't there. Um, speaking to one of the people who was working at the exhibition, we were told that there were a couple pieces that were actually on sale in the exhibition. Mm. Granted they were on sale for like 30 million pounds or something. It's ridiculous. But you no, know, if you were so inclined and you had the money for it and you could ask, like, listen, I really like this, give me Gosh. a number. <laughs> actually, then I'm sure that they would jump it
1: yeah it was a great exhibition to be honest it had a really great mixture of really beautiful intricate pieces that they do the history seeing yeah different the evolution of blue boxes and different jewelry through eras i love seeing sort of how the style of things change um and then just showing off really like you, you forget we were talking about this that you forget that tiffany isn't just that padlock necklace that people get or like a charm bracelet or just like a bangle or whatever, it's actually a very well-established, high reputation, very skilled jewellers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's got a lot of history and it's intrinsically tied to New York City and that aristocratic echelon of New York York socialites. Yeah. and also going there and seeing the exhibitions reminded, like, wow, Tiffany lamps are actually beautiful. and very hard. Oh think yeah. that it was kind of not stained glass, but lack of a better term, stained glass lamps. Um, but they were beautiful. They like depicted lily pads and like weeping willows and. And yeah, they were they were stunning, I have to admit. Um, also the fact that socialites um of like the arts and culture had also been part of sometimes designing Tiffany collections. So we looked at um a range that was not a one range actually the daughter of Pablo Picasso Paloma Picasso had worked with Tiffany's for a number of years to design pieces of jewelry um along with them and I mean I would have never known that I found that really interesting um I never even had heard of her yeah exactly
1: we interrupt this broadcast to say go follow us on instagram our handle is at Pod. there you'll find our weekly fashion
0: topics all the stuff that we discuss in each episode and our polls or reach out to us at styleoversubstancepodcast at gmail.com for new suggestions of topic discussions or even to share your own fashion stories We also have a YouTube channel, Style Over Substance Podcast, if you'd rather listen to our episodes over there. Back to the episode.
1: It was a good show, and so basically that has inspired... Mm Our episode we are doing another style mm. icon episode um
0: yeah, yeah. so obviously okay. Tiffany the film that you think of is Breakfast at Tiffany's iconic 19, 1960s yeah I think it was in 1960 it premiered and the leading lady was Audrey Hepburn. And so we decided we'd do a fashion icon episode about Miss Audrey Hepburn. And I think what's interesting about icons is that very often no, their name is known globally. You know, you mention their name and you instantly think of a particular look, a particular style, particular iconography. But often we don't actually know much about them. Mm. Were they? What were they actually famous for besides their look? Mm. And what made them so famous because of their look? Like what made them stand out from the crowd? Um, So I think Audrey Hepburn is like a really elusive character to me. Um, And so, yeah, that's the reason why we thought she'd be perfect to kind of discuss and you know talk about why she was such a big name and to this day a fashion icon
1: yeah so like the thing that first springs to mind for me when you think of Audrey Hepburn is like bearing in mind she was sort of running alongside Marilyn Monroe yeah and so she, and but she's the total opposite Whereas Marilyn Monroe was the blonde bombshell, very sexy, would wear like these figure-hugging. She was like such a quote-unquote woman. Um, Audrey Hepburn was arguably the opposite. She sort of had this pixie-cut hair, um, really strong eyebrows, big eyes, very dainty face, very petite figure, but dressed so demure... Mm. and so chic and I haven't seen like a single thing where she's trying to be sexy it is all just this very classy very like understated and I think I even saw one of the articles that I read how what's that term where it's like the basic thing that's now the look at the moment
0: oh like that clean clean yeah Yeah. like clean
1: clean thing but that's got nothing on Audrey Hepburn and just how kind of like effortless she made things. She was just, yeah, everything. Just and it was it was consistent. It wasn't like she went through seasons. It was really consistent, and I think that's because she had her relationship with Givenchy, and they kind of were each other's muses. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I just I. All I think of is what, like, a sophisticated and
0: chic woman she was. Yeah, definitely. I think she actually said herself, well, she's quoted, saying that she preferred dressing casual. And when she had to dress up was for film premieres or promotions or, you know, when she was working and it warranted her dressing up, she would, but she likes the casual. And... When you talk about her style, you've used words like classic, very chic. And it's interesting because back in the 50s and the 60s, what they deemed as chic would be and classic would have been completely different to what we deem it to be. And it's characters like Audrey Hepburn, who were in the spotlight, who ushered in a new definition of what we deem to be classic, chic, Parisian, you know, um, or her era, maybe dressing down. Like she basically popularized, like wearing black leggings and like Todd's smart shoes, you know, um, that could have been not very put together. I think in, Uh, episodes like probably like 50 episodes ago I think we've spoken about how I think it was when we had an episode with the um hood London and we were talking about hats Mm -hmm. and how in the 50s and 60s wearing a kind of suit something that you know matched your hat which matched your jacket which matched your shoes and your handbag and your skirt everything was a really well put together look it wasn't effortless you know it was like you knew what you were going to wear and how how you were going to wear it and your jewelry matched and all of that it was very as I said put together so to wear something casual back then may have been a little bit juvenile may have been a little bit sloppy Mm -hmm. no but today we consider that to be classic chic effortless so it's really interesting to see how these terms change meaning and it's because we have these icons who are in the public eye which popularize it yeah that's so true
1: and so a lot of I think also back then i think a star must have had quite a say in what they wore in films because i even think of marilyn and even if you're thinking some like it hot or gentlemen prefer blondes she's wearing sexy stuff and so whether or not that dictated her style or vice versa i would say that audrey has a really similar thing i mean I didn't know that Marilyn Monroe turned down the role of Breakfast at Tiffany's. And so would the black Shivanchi dress mm. that is arguably the most famous little black dress in the world, mm-hmm. would that have been the dress for that film if it hadn't have been Audrey Hepburn? Would it have been sexier but then that's not the character? Like would it have changed?
0: Um So I I think to your first point I don't know if actresses had a lot of say per mm. se but i do know that during the 50s and even the 40s uh, an actor and actress were tied to a uh, film studio yeah
1: that, With, oh yeah that's very true
0: yeah your contract was swishy, a style of film and exactly and you would make a number of films a year or whatever as opposed to now where it's like uh an actor and actress can jump around they can negotiate their film at what price when. universal film yeah exactly with paramount or universal as you said or whatever uh, or mgm and so i think that having a contract with a production studio meant that you had long-standing relationships your relationships with people and producers and costume designers spanned longer periods of time. So you had that working relationship. These designers and costume designers were your stylist in a sense. Mm. And your, the, the of the owners of these film studios had a lot of say in, I'm really sorry to bring up Harvey Weinstein, but you know how he kind of brought on these um new kind of it girl actresses.
1: Mm.
0: And he would say, what they would wear down the runway, not the runway, the red carpet. Um, and how he wanted them to present themselves while promoting a film. It was very much like that. So if you were Marilyn and you'd been really successful as that hot blonde and that was your lane, that's what you did. And you played with that, because that was going to make you and the studio money. Because that was like yeah. your that was your currency in a sense. So I think Probably the same could be said about Audrey Hepburn, that once she, you know, once her, like, gamine, very slender, very demure kind of aesthetic became her aesthetic, it became a long-standing, what's the word? Like, that became her, like, motif. That was her thing, that was her image. And I think also something could be said about nowadays, how all these celebs jump from trend to trend to trend, where all these different style clothing. Back then it was like a very... So much more consistent. Fashion yeah. was so much more consistent than it is today.
1: Yeah, it's a very different time. That's so true. Yeah, and I'd forgotten about sort of the film studios. Um, but yeah, so but a lot of her films... When they talk about Audrey Hepburn, the star icon, her stuff that she wore in her films was also iconic. Like *My Fair Lady*, there's some incredible looks from that film, and they are sort of yeah, just as notorious as her film as her looks outside of film. Yeah. And I think that that is a big thing: is that not only kind of you know we talked with J Lo that moment in um, *Made in Manhattan*. there have been those moments for Audrey in multiple films that she's done. And so Mm -hmm. that helps then build up your style icon name as well. Mm
0: -hmm. And like
1: you said, her sort of effortless chic off duty look was just so pared back. It would be like a black polo neck and maybe some black cigarette trousers or leggings and just very Mm -hmm. like almost no effort.
0: Yeah. So the idea of it being really effortless, I don't know if that had a lot to do with her upbringing. So if you don't know, listeners, Audrey Hepburn was from an aristocratic family. You know, she was not a poor gal. She was born in Brussels. Um, her parents were both wealthy people. And she was born in... 1929 she only passed in uh, 1993 um so being from an aristocratic family you know of like this European dynasty she actually went into ballet she was a ballet dancer and then she went to perform in the West End and I don't know if that kind of old money appreciation for style plays into it I don't know I'm I'm really like I'm really hazarding a massive guess here but where you have actress who maybe came from nothing the glitz the glamour of Hollywood and the diamonds and all of that might be more appealing but when you know you're someone from an aristocratic family grew up in wealth anyway School and lives through the war. I think she was in, she was taken to the Netherlands during the Second World War. And then you kind of make it to the States and you you have a career there. I think your pursuit is not necessarily glamour. Yeah. Maybe that had a I don't know, what do you think?
1: I think that's such a good point. I still I think you see it now. I think that there is like more of a uh new money approach Mm -hmm. to things i think that they seek the things that they couldn't have and they didn't have it so then you do you reach for sparkly but then you see kind of like i mean even think about it might be a bit as well to do with what class is meant to look like but Mm -hmm. think of the royal family the way they dress is so i know that's also for like a certain reason but they're not going out there dressing like JLo. Mm-hmm. showing off their body or wearing all the diamonds under the sun and it's probably a really poor example but you do, you know what i mean that they're actually a kind of like old money tends to sort of yeah i guess they're not as much in need of the new shiny things and maybe they've yet yeah, been raised around a certain level of sophistication i think <laughs> even just with showing off her body i think you kind of that could be the answer behind that
0: yeah, um, yeah. i mean i've never been aristocratic <laughs> but i think that when you are from certain social classes your standing in society and the way others perceive you is your currency you know if people think that they don't think highly of you then you're not going to be invited to the best places the best social circles like other people's opinion of you and your family really matter so I think you're less likely to try and like Be a bit controversial. Yeah. In the way you dress and whatnot. You're gonna play it safe and you wanna be on the good graces of people who are around you and will like she could be a debutante and all of
1: that stuff for all we know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um well yeah, you know what? Another point I wanted to kind of raise and ask you about. Um as you you know, described at the beginning of this episode, Audrey Hepburn is known for her pixie cut, her really petite features. She's very slim. She's quite a gentle personality in general. Um, and the actress, for life me, can't remember her first name, but the lead character in Emily in Paris, Phil oh, Collins um, Lily Collins. Lily Collins. That's it. Lily Collins, to me, I feel like she's trying she, to be the modern day version of her. Yeah, she plays off of that Audrey aesthetic and demeanor yeah. completely. Um, what do you think? Do you think it's working? No. Yeah, yeah it's working.
1: No. Um, I think she's doing that for like a, a few reasons. She's got the same kind of coloring. She's got big eyebrows, and so like, yeah, dark hair, pale skin, and she's a petite girl. But, I don't know. I sort of have a love-hate relationship with Lily Collins. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if... I don't really know what her style is. Um, Yeah. I just don't really know what her style is. But I also think that's to do with how you said before that style changes so much and i even i even have that that one day i could look a bit like my boyfriend's in a band and i look like i'm going to a rock concert the next i could look like i'm going to the chelsea flower show and that i've got like a floral i mean maybe not that twee yeah. but like you have different moods or there will be kind of a really off-duty look or a really done up look um and so I think that we express ourselves in quite different ways. And so I think there's just probably not the consistency from mm. Lily Collins to pull off um, that so much. But I will say more recently, and even Lily Collins' wedding dress was very covered up.
0: Um, I was, When you were talking about her, I was thinking of that dress and one of the most stunning wedding... Attire, I can't even call it a dress because the veil was really long, wasn't it? Wasn't it a really long veil? Really I remember it it had a hood It had a hood, that was it <laughs> Which stunning. is not something
1: you can do when you've played Snow White It just makes me feel like she's wearing a film
0: costume oh, I didn't even think of that No, I, I thought it was stunning, honestly yeah. And yeah, I think because she is so petite mm. You know when, like, really petite people can pull off extra fabric?
1: Yes. Like, and that, I would say that's Audrey Hepburn. She kind of, she could pull off that 60s, I mean, even the dress that's famous from Breakfast at Tiffany's, if you're not petite, that would actually not be very flattering because it puffs out at the hips, like, with y sort of style. Yeah. And it, sort of a lot of 60s things were quite shift and they were very bean pole
0: yeah women
1: pole to wear them Mm. um so yeah i find it quite interesting um but yeah i mean there's even kind of um in taylor swift's music video shake it off there's a scene where she wears like a black a black light knit top or jumper um and yeah black skinny jeans with a red lipstick and everyone just associates that with it being Audrey Hepburn with ballet parts. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can't help but um, just that's the reference.
0: Mm. Um,
1: she sort of was the the queen of a flat shoe. Mm.
0: Um,
1: oh, just She's great. She's great. I love Audrey Hepburn.
0: I think we should probably talk about her relationship with Hubert and Givenchy. Mm.
1: So at the exhibition they had said little black dress um, mm-hmm. and the dress was designed for her to wear in the film and then as sort of the placard said but it then featured in the couture show mm-hmm. before the film i think it was like the 59 the 1959 sh- like couture show and then the film came out the next year Mm-hmm. So that got shown on the runway, and then it featured in the film, but still all the while had been designed for it. And that's huge. So I read that basically she crossed paths with him shortly after she did the film. Is it called Funny? Funny, funny. funny Faces?
0: Funny Faces, I think it is.
1: Um,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it is called Funny Faces. So I think they crossed paths around that time and then sort of decided to try and, like, work together. And then I think she shortly had done kind of... um, Oh, I'm trying to think of the films. She'd done, I think, maybe My Fair Lady by that point and Roman Holiday. So she'd already had, like, these famous films come out. And so I think that that added to her allure as well of for Hubert to kind of work with her. Um, And kind of from that point onwards, I think they did a lot of collaborating. I think I'm pretty sure he designed her dress for the premiere. He designed her wedding dress. And I think she wore his dress to the Oscars and it just became this long history. And I think she was even on the cover of Vogue shortly after that wearing Givenchy. And mm. it just kind of became this real relationship.
0: Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning, um, going back to the beginning of their relationship, um, she had been tasked with being the costume designer for, as you, um, it was the film, it was actually her second film, Sabrina. Ah, uh, yeah. And she was, although she, you know, been in big films, um, this was her second on-screen film and so she was still fairly new to the world of Hollywood and Givenchy was at the time a young couturier I can't pronounce it but he was new um to establishing his couture line and so yeah that's the beginning of their um, working relationship but yeah as you say he went on to design other things with her for different occasions and I think it's so interesting I think it's a reminder of how I don't know how influential how quickly the 20th century went by like all the biggest names and most iconic people were all alive at the same time doing things together like Givenchy and Audrey Hepburn like seriously
1: and in my Um, head you know when we think we said this earlier um when we were at the Tiffany exhibition about Pablo Picasso and that in our heads he was like an artist in the 18th century or something like that Mm -hmm. that it just wasn't even near our lifetime but I think he died in the 1980s or something
0: um
1: and the fact that again these fashion houses they're like over a hundred years old you're like oh my gosh like Mm. amazing you can't think that they even were existing at the same time as yeah. Like, it just yeah it doesn't feel like um it's like when you think Mariana about ways.
0: yeah when you think about like Christian Dior and Yves Saint Laurent yeah work together working at the same time at the same period of history together that is weird um
1: Christian Dior feels like that would have been so much earlier than I know than Yves Saint
0: Laurent I know. I know it's it is crazy um but yeah, even kind of while Audrey Hepburn was alive It was said that her wearing a Burberry trench In Breakfast at Tiffany's Had increased the sale of, you know Influenced the increase in popularity For Burberry, Burberry trenches yeah. And also Todd's shoes
1: mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: And I wouldn't and- mind betting those large sunglasses I
0: feel like mm-hmm. they were
1: deal. I could be wrong Um, but those giant sunglasses have remained as steadfast in fashion.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: And the fact that that's sort of, you know, what she paired it with. And pearls, pearls are timeless. And I wouldn't mind betting that her wearing pearls is part of that Mm. aesthetic. Because at one point, pearls
0: were probably thought of as a bit Mm -hmm. fuddy-duddy. And also pearls, I think, were... You know, for the um, film title, the actual post of the Breakfast at Tiffany's, I think the illustration features a woman in a black dress with pearls. Mm. Could be wrong. But I think it's in that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know it's it's a she's an incredibly big character and figure in mm. fashion for being non sexual in her clothing choices. Um, And I read something, going back to a point that you actually touched on about her being the antithesis of Marilyn Monroe. And it's been touted that part of her appeal was that she appealed, whereas Marilyn Monroe appealed to more men because she was voluptuous and flirtatious and all of that. Audrey Hepburn appealed to more women, so they say. Mm, Yeah. Well, I don't even know if I can believe that because a lot of the time during the 50s and the 60s, you know, when advertising, like the birth of advertising as we know it, you know, think of Mad Men. You know, when you had these ad agencies that were, you know, booming up everywhere and they were really the tastemakers for women, kind of telling women what they should like at that time. You need to shave your legs, you need to wear this lipstick, you need to use oil of Ulay, and you know, all of these things. Like women were still being quite led on what was what was ideal, what was sexy, what was smart, what was chic. And at the end of the day, Audrey Hepburn was a woman in an industry that was owned by men. And yeah, she probably loved. And wore what she felt most comfortable in, but I think there's still this element of um careful choice in what she wore and how she presented herself
1: a hundred percent I think that, and especially because of that consistency, I think it was a very considered choice mm-hmm. um especially at a time where it would have been very easy for her to try and compete in the sexy space. She was a very famous film star. I'm pretty sure that she kind of chose her lane. And also maybe to avoid her being pitted against Marilyn any more than she probably was at the time, was choosing her narrative and making very conscious choices and everything sort of sitting with that. Because I think all women everyone is sexy in their own way or tries to be sexy I guess in their own way and my level of sexy might feel different to yours, some people it's to show off loads of skin, some people it's sort of leaving stuff to the imagination Mm. but I just don't think there was any anything that was like any sexiness was driving her decisions, I think she made a really conscious I'm removing myself from that narrative in Hollywood.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: which is quite a big deal considering that was such a big thing, and that was kind of how they were selling Marilyn. Um,
0: yeah, and not just Marilyn, like other actresses oh. as well at the time. Um, yeah, what
1: is it like in Notting Hill? they There's like, oh, you know. They say that the word for actress is the same as f- prostitute. That's sort of. I think they're in old in a language. It's the same. The same word.
0: Well, get your money how you can is what I say.
1: <laughs> we don't judge you over here. Uh, the girl's gotta get. Oh, the girl's gotta get a paycheck.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, do you think? Kind of one of my last questions to you. Do you think there's anyone? Now, besides Lily Collins, who <laughs> kind of parallels the Audrey aesthetic.
1: I think I think she's the kind of person that not many people try and touch it. Mm. Um I feel like at one point do you know the model Erin O'Connor? Yeah. I feel like she sort of had a bit of a vibe of she had the shorter, granted she was very tall, Mm. but she sort of would have that very off-duty look and she had the shorter hair and maybe that, but no, not really. There's like no one in Hollywood I can think of that is trying to kind of be that demure. I think everyone is so experimental. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, I agree with you. I couldn't think of an actress or a celebrity besides Lily Collin who has tried to play that lane. Um, I do remember growing up that there were models that were, you know, put in a position of, you're going to be the gameen one, you're going to be the boyish one, you're going to be the one with the pixie cut. And, you know, like Chanel, Mm -hmm. if you have a pixie cut and you have a little face, Chanel's gonna snap you up you're gonna be in their show because that is their like that's their muse in a sense um but outside of kind of particular fashion houses I don't think it's an aesthetic that we gravitate towards anymore Mm. um we are full time -time. Yeah, yeah definitely not um I think now we are very much into the colours, the textures, the long nails, the gaudy jewellery. And it's not slight on any of that because I like all of that. Um, but yeah, we're just in a different... We're very much more into a bit of a collection, a hodgepodge of things. Mm. And I think in a in a time that we live in, it's very much we're getting it from all directions. Like you need to buy new things. You need Mm. to buy new trends. You need to buy, buy, buy different things. And there's only so many like black loafers a girl can buy at once. You know what I mean? Like there's only so many Burberry trenches or black leggings that you need to buy into. Mm. So I think the culture of fashion And styling and clothing now is so fast-paced and so ever-changing because they want us to spend money, whereas Audrey kind of embodies a certain period of time where, you know, that old-school sort of thinking, like, you buy this and you wear it Mm. forever, and that's your look. It's your uniform. That's your uniform, yeah, that's it. Yeah.
1: Can you think of anyone... Who is as deemed as timeless as Audrey?
0: But now, just
1: generally, um, I would for me, yeah. I would say maybe it's men. Oh, really? Mm. Like who? I don't know. I'm probably men of a similar era, like the Cary Grant kind of. Oh, thing. like
0: a Sean Connery. Yeah, She's I, so I so think
1: old. I think that's what it reminds, She reminds me of her style is very consistent like a man you have a nice suit you have Mm. your fingers maybe double-breasted maybe it's not maybe it's the waistcoat she Mm. just kind of had her uniform and stuck with it for such just the duration of her her fame
0: Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what were you
1: gonna say for sort of classic or
0: um oh my brain's gone dead but I think that well Jackie Onassis is held up not there, not there um of course diana spencer
1: yeah
0: you no, know, she is and diana's aesthetic has has been big in the past couple of years yeah. you know bike shorts and and chunky white trainers and a blazer you know a sports a university sports jumper or something it's been really popular in recent years um Iconic status, who else? Um, I think those are the ones that pop up in my head.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I was actually looking at um, an article online and it was about like the, you know, the most iconic dresses of um, the 20th century and 21st century. And they'd actually put Michelle Obama post-presidency and I thought very much in vain of, like, Jackie Anassis, where it's, like, you leave the White House and you can start dressing how you want. Yeah. I think Michelle Obama, like, when she came out in those, like, thigh-high glitter boots, we thought, oh, this is a different woman. Mm. <laughs> um, so I think I say all that to say that, like, time will tell. You know, yeah. I think the people that we see in the spotlight now, we need to see them in 50 years' time. Yeah
1: and how it's aged
0: yeah exactly yeah
1: so i guess our poll with every fashion icon episode is were they a style icon or did they have iconic fashion moments yep um but also dear listeners Mm -hmm. let's know if you have other people you want us to be talking about for the style icon episodes
0: yeah sending requests men and women
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah well thanks again for tuning in to another episode of style over substance guys
1: don't forget to check out our instagram or spotify to respond to this week's poll
0: Bye.
1: Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars